<laughs> You're listening to the Winnebus.net Podcast Network. Is there anything better than cracking open a cold beer and listening to your favorite podcasts? No, sir. And I'm here to tell you that the beer you should be cracking is one from our new sponsor, Circle Brewing, located in Austin, Texas at 2340 West Breaker Lane, Suite B. You can have a frosty one in their fabulous tap room where lots of seasonal specials await you, or you can get lots of their treats in the bottle or can at your local craft beer retailer. Try their award-winning Alibi Blonde or their diabolically rich D- Devil Knight Barrel-Aged Stout. They have so many solid choices, and they are the official sponsor of OneOfUs.net. Support Circle Brewing and support us, and we really need your support. There is no site without subscribers, and that depends on you. Please think about becoming a subscriber, because we cannot do this without you. The four different subscription tiers are there to give different flavors of bonus content, but we absolutely need your help, whether you sign up to give 2 5 10 or $25 a month. Don't be one of those people who loves something but won't lift a finger to keep it around. Help one of us and keep those podcasts coming. Excited for this part two of Deliberations of Doom, Witches, because I think we're talking about some films that may not necessarily be good across the board, but are going to be super fun to talk about. <laughs> I, of course, am Chris. Joining me is my uh, constant companion on horror movies, Patience. Patience! <laughs> and, of course... Me, Alan. <laughs> First name me. First name me, last name Alan. And uh, I'm Nicholas. Uh, and we're very excited to be here. We love what we do. I I, I got to say, this is uh, the podcast I probably anticipate the most. I love it. I look forward to it. Yeah, every single time because I love horror movies. I even love watching bad horror films, <laughs> which you kind of have to if you're going to do this. Except if it's The Witchery. Except if it's Witchery, <laughs> which is not terribly good. Don't and even that. Inflict it on your worst enemy. Just, just leave <laughs> that one alone. But uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about in our first part of our series on this one. We talked about Haxen, the 1922 Swedish documentary about the history of witchcraft, which I think we all came down on as saying is pretty, real, cool. Is pretty damn cool. And even kind of essential if you consider yourself not just a horror movie fan, but a, a, fan, a fan yeah. of, of the history of cinema. Uh, Black Sunday, the Mario Bava 1960 film, which was his first credited directed film, which introduced Barbara Steele to the world, who went on to be kind of a horror scream queen, which we all also really highly praised. Uh, 1980s Inferno, which is Dario Argento's sequel to Suspiria, which is certainly not as good as Suspiria, but and we had a very mixed reaction in the room as to how we felt about it. Yeah, for sure. Some highs, some lows. Exactly. And then 1988's Witchery, starring David Hasselhoff and Linda Blair, which I think we all agreed is a piece of garbage. <laughs> and, and you shouldn't watch unless that's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah, there are fans of this like trash cinema out there, and if you haven't seen this one. Check it out because it is see, trash. This isn't even that like so bad. It's good movie. No, it's just yeah. a. It's, it's just bad. bad. It's Except for David Hasselhoff, is pretty who is fa- pretty fit and handsome. Like I said, Hasselhoff completist. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. It really is just under the I can has cheeseburger. Uh, video. <laughs> uh, 
But we have a whole new series of films to talk about, four new movies to discuss this time, and we're going to start it off with the movie that, although it was certainly kind of, I don't know if I'm going to go so far as say critically reviled, but critically treated with a sort of whatever when it came out in uh, 1996, the movie The Craft, but since has gained a massive cult following. Um, in fact, the show Charmed was straight up a ripoff of this movie, which only happened indeed because they were trying to get a, the craft series started and there were licensing issues and no one could agree. And finally, the studio was like, fuck it, we'll just rename it and yeah. do it as something different. I actually so. didn't know that. That's so. That, it makes <clears throat> perfect sense. Too, yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, but the craft, uh, which is directed by Andrew Fleming, who, uh, did a, has a really odd career. Like, he made a Hamlet 2. Did I you ever see that? I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. it's really funny. Yeah. Weird. Like, that's the same guy? Yeah. But uh, this film intro- largely introduced the world to uh, Robin Tunney, who actually went on to a, a pretty successful career largely on television. Prison Break and The Mentalist. Mentalist. But she's one of those actresses you're like, oh, I always liked her. She's one of those people. Yeah. But, like, very strong leading role here and was a a very... Like, although certainly not for Ruza Balk's first film, uh, that would be uh, Return to Oz. Oh, right. <laughs> debut for Ruza Balk. <laughs> yeah. But, like, was one of the ones that, like, cemented her as the creepy witchy chick you get for any role like yeah, that. Yeah, I kind of, dis- I, I think I described her to you a couple of weeks ago, or, like, last week when we were talking about her. A lot of times when people describe characters like this, it's, like, dangerously sexy, it's, like, dangerously beautiful, which she is, but not, like, in the movie way. She straight up feels dangerous. Yeah, like, no, like, that's pretty dick and curse, crazy. curse and yeah, kill you and stab you, and but yeah. it's also like so sexually appealing when in I was, a way. When I was like, 18 years and, old, this was the total girl that I was attracted to. This was like the Farisa <laughs> Box who was like, like, man, a hot gothy chick, and then she would like, of course, get like unreasonably weirdly upset about some strange yeah. thing. Like she made just walk into bed covered in blood, and you're just like, alright, I guess <laughs> we're doing this. Yes, I don't this know. what we're doing <laughs> right now. Well, I'm riding with I you, whatever you got, let's go. Oh, yeah. But as well, Nev Campbell, who already had a very successful career at this point uh, as being a major star from the hit show Party of Five, and Rachel True, who, even though she's playing a high school student, was almost 30 years old. <laughs> <laughs> very that's, youthful, that's, though. That's you, what I, I love about this movie is because every single person in this movie is in their like mid to late 20s or early 30s, as Rachel True is, and they're playing like these hot teenagers that every single 13 year old or tween in the 1990s was like i'm gonna become a witch you know that's a that's an interesting point you could look at all four of them and even even uh, as a as a male or a female you'd be like i would like to be this person or i would like to date this person everyone's got their favorites my personally is Robin Tunney. I yeah. Think she's, I've always had a crush on Robin wow. Tunney. Ever since she shaved her head in Empire Records. Well, actually, she, that's if you notice, like, the whole movie, even though there's a bit in yeah, here, if you notice, she changes her hair by rubbing her hair through it, and you're like, that's totally it a is, wig. It is top she five worst a, wig performance. <laughs> she was wearing a wig the whole film because right before because this, she, she was in Empire Records and shaved her head for it. It so. looks like she's wearing a helmet. It is a bad wig. It's not a great wig. I, I, a lot of times you have people talk about how bad wigs are in movies, and I Never can tell. I was like, oh, that was a wig. Moment one, I get, it's so obvious. Yeah. So it's, it's a hat. She's wearing a hat. I don't think we talked about the plot, Chris. Yeah, I think oh, that's yeah. your job, Patience. Oh, well, okay, Chris. So basically, 
Robin Tunney moves to this new town. I guess it's L.A. or L.A. Ad- adjacent. She moves from San Francisco. S- from, no, she moves from San Francisco. Oh, you're right. You're right. San Francisco to, to L.A. To LA. Yeah, you're and right. she I, apparently, I guess it's a Catholic school because they're wearing the typical Catholic school uniform that I had to wear when I was in Catholic Hot. school. <laughs> but apparently they can have like really super cute variations on it, whatever. I wasn't allowed to do that. This is loose Catholic school. Loose Catholic. It's Catholic school in 1996. Double entendre? Nice. So Robin Tunney, she finds herself as being an outcast. Um, She is targeted by Skeet Ulrich, also known as the bad guy in... Scream. One of the two. Also with Neb Campbell. Yeah. And um, so she finds herself like, oh, the target, but then it doesn't work out. And he ends up like spreading rumors about her, which forces her to sort of find this alternative group of friends, including Fruza Balk, Rachel True, and Neb Campbell, who are like outcasts. And they become the perfect for uh, which circle. I guess, air, earth, water, fire, which makes them, because she's a natural witch, which you find out later. Either that or a funk band. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. And so they, together, they're able to perfect their magic and do spells. Skiorik falls in love with Ray. Really? What's happening? Are I, you watching the cats? Yes, I'm no. The cats. Sorry, I'm not watching the cats. <laughs> Uh, so Skeet Ulrich falls in love with her, but it gets to the point where he's like obsessed and embarrassed, and embarrassing, and tries to rape her. Fruza Balk uh, becomes rich. Nev Campbell no longer has her scars, uh, and Rachel True is able to pass on the curse to her. Uh, wait, is it that Marsha Brady? Yeah, it's, I think it was yeah, um, uh, from the name. movie. Bert. What's her What's her name? I forget. Her From name. Brady Brunch. She's, um, Brady Brunch. Brady Brunch. Brady Brunch. I would totally go to a breakfast with It's impossible to split the check. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to hell. <laughs> it's Brady Brunch. Uh, Christine Taylor. Yeah, that's her. Who Who married a uh, oh, Stiller? Yeah, it's married to Ben oh, Stiller. Oh yeah, Mar- was married to Ben Stiller. Oh, is she not anymore? <laughs> I believe is? that they broke know. up after Dodgeball. She's All great right. in Arrested Development. Yeah. She's yeah, she's great in everything she's in. She yeah. pops up a lot. She was actually stuff. really good in this as well. Yeah. She plays the bitchy like the bitchiest. Oh my god. Yeah. Girl she movie. plays like a straight up like old man racist in the body of a high school girl. Like, it is like some brutal This racism. is yeah. just okay. seriously the quintessential like I'm a teenage girl in the 90s and I hate everybody and I'm going to pra- like like turn into Wouldn't a Wouldn't it be a great a if witch, witchcraft so. was real? Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to curse all my foes because they bully me. It's, it's funny you say that because that's I think the biggest strength of this movie and the reason why I think it's become like a cult thing. It's not a great movie but it is like a really great time capsule. Of like 1996 or oh, like yeah. mid 90s, it is so from the music, from the actors, from the yep. wardrobe, from the way these movies were made at this type period, like this type of like high school movie, it is like a perfect encapsulation of this time. Agreed. Which I think why it's like endeared and like carried on and kind of empowering. Oh no, yeah, exactly. if, especially from the angle of like young women, high school girls, like it's like a from that angle in 1990s, it's like a perfect thing for that. There's so much like. Flannel and velvet chokers and, <laughs> and Nev Campbell. Thank God. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I love it all. <laughs> Keep it coming. Yeah, I think uh, one of the, oh, Go okay. ahead. No, you you first. Okay. So I think uh 
Alan's absolutely right. I think this is, of our list, this is one of the most female empowering movies. It's kitschy, it's cheesy, it's, you know, it's whatever. some CG issues. Yep, oh, it's definitely got some serious CG issues. It's 1996, you know, but uh, it also is sort of a fantasy about what it would be like if, if high school girls could take their power back and how that would look. And on that level, it works quite well, especially the love potion with Skeet Ulrich and like how he uh, embarrasses himself, but then against eventually becomes like aggressive and terrible. Like it's a pretty solid commentary on on what these sorts of relationships are like while skewering it. And while then like, so it's like really funny at first and then makes it terrifying, which I feel like is a relatively accurate depiction. That's actually, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, it, that's, that's actually a good valid. point. I actually didn't think about that because... I I was kind of distracted by how terrible and wooden Skeet Ulrich is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. like, Skeet Ulrich. He's just short hair. There's, the there's some things he's in, but like they harness. You guys, like when you can't get Johnny Depp at, in <laughs> only the 90s, yeah. you get Skeet Ulrich. Um, and, and, yeah, I was distracted. I was a bit. There's a scene between him and. Um, What's her name? Robin Toomey. It is like one of the all-time worst. Where he's scenes. like, uh, you know, your head is good for kissing. Oh yes, <laughs> like it is just the most wooden, boring flirting. It is awful. They're both like I know that she's gonna like had a decent career on TV, but she is kind of bad in this movie. I think her and Ski. Like I think the other three in the witch group is like really great. There's something about her performance. I mean, Forza Balk is by far acting wise the standout. Uh, she's so. yeah, she's blowing people out of the water in this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, great. she's like, it's partially just like she's an odd looking lady. She has this thing where she expresses herself in a way that it almost feels like they're CG enhancing her face because yeah. it's so expressive. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, did your mouth open wider than people's mouth can? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you she know? clearly stole the show. I mean, her yeah. her acting in this uh, even before American History X, correct? Yeah, uh, she just. <sighs> Blew me away. I mean, Robin Tony is great, but you're like blown away by her her just presence on the screen. I think Tony makes a good protagonist. Originally, it was actually Nev Campbell who was supposed to play the protagonist, uh, and Tony, who was cast in her role, and the producers said, "No, we're really sure that Tony is the right person for the protagonist here." Mm-hmm. And Tony fought it. Was like, I don't think I'm this person. Yeah, I but, think she was right. Like, I think Nev Campbell versus Fruza Balk in this movie makes it a much better movie. Okay. I, I, I think Nev Campbell is perfectly cast for her oh, role. I think Nev Campbell is great in the role she's in, but I think that Roman Toomey probably could have done that, and Nev Campbell would have been better in the protagonist role. Like, I, I don't think Nev Campbell is a... She's not, like, one of our all-time great actresses, but no. she is a very competent... She's a good actress. She could, she's like, proven that she has legs. I think she's a, she's a little more charismatic, or she has, like, more draw to her than I, I, I think... Than um, Toomey had in this movie, and yeah. in, in general, but um, yeah, that's, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I would like to see that. Uh, I I I feel like this movie has an incredibly solid first act, where for a high school movie, it it finds exactly the right way to get into this. I I, I actually genuinely love the first act of this movie, and I think the second act of this film, once it's like, oh no, we have witch movies. Is pretty effective. It's like okay, this is cool, despite the fact that the Manon like part, like the, the their god was totally made up by the filmmakers. So stupid. Like, there is no such thing of that. But but they actually did have real Wiccan advisors on this film because stupid they were Wiccan genuinely advisors. concerned with not offending people who consider themselves to be modern day witches, <laughs> including 
uh, uh, for Isabalk, who is a real life, very serious Wiccan. Yeah. No, and I, you know, I think they kind of get <laughs> putting a name to the idea of it is like where it's, I think the description in the movie is if God and the devil were playing a football game, the whatever God they're worshiping would be the stadium and the air above it. Like, which kind of goes to what Wiccan, it's like everything, it's like nature. And it's like above and like above and beyond what God or Satan represents. So like they just kind of put a name, like a generic name to this yeah. basic belief, which helps I guess general but movie then audiences. They continue to call it a he That's weird. for the whole entire movie. That is really weird. And I'm sorry, that grates the fuck on my nerves. Yeah. Okay, explain. Well, first of all, I'm a pagan. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure everybody knows this. And I don't consider myself to be like spiritually like adept to any sort of like pagan theology. But I'm just a general like I like nature and stuff. But I mean, most pagans, including I assume most Wiccans, which I've also studied, like it's not about a he or a she. It's about a thing, and we would you would never call it a he. Yeah. You wouldn't genderify it, but even if yeah. you would in it this would movie, she. thematically, if it like would be a she. If God is portrayed as a he, devils and witches are above this, and like it's from their point of view. Why would you not say she? It would be she. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah. any sense. To because they, I, actually, I see the sense because they want to keep the sex as part of it. And the moment in the sequence in the film where Faruza Balk is, is, is infused with the spirit. She's inside they, me. They want to keep a sexual aspect to it. So I get that. They're like, oh, She's it's a, a part he. of That's, me. I've been, it, they, they, this film spends a lot of time with that the witchcraft thing being almost a sexual experience. Yeah. You know? But I mean, there's are, there are lesbian relationships. I mean, I guess this, No, 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 obviously. But, 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 yeah, but it's 1996. I, it's 1996, so, yeah. yes. I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm wanting this movie to be... It's an issue like more progressive than it oh, could no, be. You know, and I actually you know, yeah. thought that the part with Robin Tony and Ski Ulrich were, were, was kind of a little bit progressive because she enchants him um, because she has to, apparently. But, you know, it, in the part where she's, like, talking, like, they're right before he tries to rape her, um, and they're, like, sitting in his car, and she's, like, talking about herself, and he's just, like, looking at her with doe eyes, and, she, and he's like, no, I just feel like I, you know, whatever you're thinking, I think the same thing, too. And she's just like, really? And he's like, yeah, I really just don't know what I was thinking. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Love spells make the worst ever, <laughs> like, like guy ever. get in your pants yeah. <laughs> argument. It's like, no, it's fine. Whatever you say is what I think. <laughs> and then she just looks at him like, you're fucking stupid, and what the fuck was I thinking? I was like, oh, that's it. That's yeah, but the like, moment. Oh, man. But the whole movie, like, from the get, it's like, why is she even slightly interested? <laughs> because in he's fucking handsome as yeah. hell, Alan. I, I guess so. I, I gotta put myself in the mindset of, like, a very he's hormonal high school age person who is just like looks matters for everything but skeet without the long hair just doesn't do it for me i'm sorry like oh, skeet okay. green, that's right. it it doesn't work yeah he needs he needs the little things coming over his forehead <laughs> yeah buzz cuts like get out of here you weird blizzard i almost dude. feel bad for skeet Ulrich. i almost feel bad for him as an actor <laughs> well see it's like the guy's gotten more crap for the fact of being a like he is a satisfactory actor yeah. right well, he's not, he doesn't have any special skills I think he's 
he's fine. Legit great so in many, Scream. I was so just about to say people, the same thing. He was great in Scream. So many people go like, "Oh, you're the poor man's Johnny Depp." That like the guy's career is over. He can't yeah. get a job. You're like, you can't even. Oh, for, well, Johnny Depp can't get a job anymore sake, either. Chris Klein <laughs> from American Pie he plays the villain this season in The Flash, and he's so bad it's almost indescribable <laughs> how terrible he is in it. Chris Klein, who even when we were watching American Pie, which we all genuinely like, we're like that guy's the weak point. Yeah, it, he's it, awful. Yeah, although he did give one of the all-time best worst performances in that Street Fighter movie he was oh in. Oh my god, do y'all remember that movie? Oh, I do. Why the fuck we're talking about? Chris Pine, right? We're talking about oh, generic oh, white guys Pine, from the uh, 90s. Pine. Not Pine. We love you, Chris Pine. He's one of the all-time generic white guy from the 90s. He's like Mount Rushmore. So good at being so bland and bad. Okay, it's seriously, right though. Freddie Prince. But, yeah. <laughs> Rachel True, who I always thought was one of those actresses who, who got a short shift uh, uh, with uh, like being really great in a lot of stuff. Uh, her, she was in Greg Araki's Nowhere, which I think is a deeply oh, underrated yeah, Greg Araki film. And I think I think his best film, despite, like, you know, obviously the more popular ones from him, uh, and a lot of other stuff, Half-Baked. That's how I was at breakup. Yeah. She's really good in this. I think everyone is pretty good in this movie, but Feruza Balk is so much better than everyone yeah, else. she's really you great. You can't not focus on her. And there's a point where you realize in the third act, when it gets super goofy and bad CG and some badly planned sequences that don't even make sense. There's a whole sequence with mirrors where I was like, I don't even know what just happened. Like, there's supposed to be this magical mirror sequence. I'm like, I have no idea how what your continuity thinking was in that <laughs> sequence because I don't know what happened. It made a lot more sense than Inferno. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, but Inferno yeah. wasn't trying to give you a plot. This movie is like, Fairly plot heavy. Yeah. Like, so it's, it, it's it, forgiven because it wasn't actually trying to make it plot. Well, yeah, because yeah, really, like, so. it didn't try to do it. Yeah, yeah I mean, kind of. Yeah. This, <laughs> I mean, Inferno. I see what you're saying. Inferno was trying to be abstract and surreal. Yeah. This was like this was supposed to be. You're, you're a movie that's very plot direct, and then there's a sequence that you're like that doesn't make in a visual sense any continuity. Yeah. And when I don't know if you notice, like the editing in the third act falls apart. There's a oh, scene yeah. when things are going bad where it takes place. It's like the continuation of a scene that was taking place in the second act of the movie, like 20 minutes earlier. It's like the other cut of that. It's in like the shower scene where, uh, what's her face? I forgot her name already. Marsha Brady. Is losing her hair. It's like cut in later in the movie. And that hasn't, that's a thing that happens in movies a lot where they kind of like, but it doesn't happen in this movie except for this one part where there's like this one scene that took place. 30 minutes ago is happening again now and it's just that's really clunky and weird editing cross cutting if you do it the yeah, time. and it's like, kind of I, get, I think it's designed to show like a bit of like the repercussions um, for um, Rachel True's character because the other three hadn't have their come up and it's like the the negative results of their things and she doesn't really have that so they're just like uh Let's edit that scene where she looked sad from way earlier in the movie into this part to kind of thematically round it out. And it's it's rough. It's like a rough go, that third act. So, I, I it's a shame because the, I feel like the first act is so good and the second act is not as good but still building towards something good. And mm-hmm. the third act just falls completely fucking apart for mm-hmm. me, personally, where I'm like, oh my god, this got so silly, it's filled with bad CG. Although, for the record, 3,000 actual real-life snakes used in the Robin Tubby sequence. Shit. 
where she's in her house. Kill me. And they're like, she's terrified of snakes. And they actually got real snakes. At first, when I'm watching, I'm like, oh, there had to be a lot of CG stuff. No, they were all yeah, real. Yeah, and actually, there are parts of that sequence that are cool, and there are other parts that are really bad. And the problem is, like, it's like back to back, so the whole sequence ends up being bad. Yeah. But there's like little moments in there that are shot well, and the cinematography is good, and the lighting is really creepy. But then, yeah, she, like, disappears into a mirror and then walks out of it for no reason. And it's just, like, real clunky. Clunky it, stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's 96. Yeah. It's, like, that era where, like, CGI came out or, yeah. like, they started doing it. It's, like, we can do all this stuff. Look how good it looks. Let's do it well, a that's lot. Where she's, like, <laughs> look, I can change bad. my hair color. And oh, it's, like, yeah. right. and, like, something as simple as that looked terrible. And, no, well, back in the day, it legitimately looked good. Right now, it did not so much. Yeah, true <laughs> enough. But it still has that, you know... I don't know, nostalgic quality that you want. I thought it held up overall. I liked the movie back in 1996, and I, I still kind of like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a, for how much shit I'm talking, I still kind of like it's, it. I, still, okay, yeah, I mean, it's no faculty for me. I love the fact that the faculty is fucking amazing. I do not. Right, we're Jor- Jordana Brewster, who is my future third. There, there's literally every single amazing actor that yeah. is famous. Put some respect out. on Josh yeah, Hartnett Josh and Elijah Hartnett, Wood's name. Thank you. They're so Please, good at it. Not to mention Selma Hayek. I think also isn't Famke Jensen in it as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's some amazing, like, 90s movies, though, and this is one of them. Um, amazing? Yeah, amazing. I wouldn't go so far as amazing, but I also, like, so I know I, I liked it when it came out when I was in high school or whatever. I was kind of a fan of it, and I hadn't watched it for Stop a Stop flaunting time. your youth, Nick. Until then. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually, I agree. I think it held up really well. I know the third act falls apart, but I almost don't mind because I think the lead-up to that, the sort of girl power high school stuff, like within the context of 1996, really worked for me. And I, I mean, obviously they got witchery and wiccanism and paganism all the fuck wrong, but... Even though they had I, actually, like, real-life advisors on the film that were hired. I, yeah. were but using that as a service to say, like, what would girls in high school maybe want to do? It's it's like a fable. It's like a little fairy tale. And, yeah. and in that sense, it really works for me. I think it's yeah. thoughtful. This is what happens when high school girls have too much power. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't go to high school. <laughs> and destroy the awful girl as well. Um, I do want to do. I just want to say, have a little quick segue. Um, there's a new documentary on Shutter called uh, Horror Noir, which is a history of black horror, which uh, Rachel True is in, and um, it just came out on Shutter a couple of days ago. It's I'm it's starring it. Jordan Peele. Uh, Tony Todd, uh, David Keith, and Rachel True. That's awesome. Yeah, and so it's basically like a documentary about the history of of black people in horror. And I have have not seen it, but I know Rachel True is a big part of it, and I can't wait to watch it. I've heard great things about it. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It's supposed to be amazing. I'm blanking on his name, but the guy who moved from Night of the Living Dead uh, who played the lead role. I oh, he's still alive. Uh, Ving Rhames? No, that, no, that's Dave. That's Donovan the Dead. That's Donovan the Dead. No, the original Dead. Dead. He's still alive. Yes. Yeah, he's still alive. Wow, uh, I can't remember his name. <laughs> I don't remember but, his name either. Like, he is definitely one of those guys. And he's talked a, a lot about that film, like, in very positive terms. Mm-hmm. I, why wouldn't you? Because yeah, it's a certified It's, it's a fucking masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do want to say, before we finish this uh, for the craft, first off, 
Angelina Jolie and Alicia Silverstone both tested for the lead roles and were turned down. Thank God. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that they were like, it's weird for in retrospect. No, 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 just for, for one, of the four. one of the four. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to say, one issue with this, maybe could be with this movie, is it's rated R, which is essentially rated R because witches. Because of witches, Which yeah. is, because it's a, such yeah. a PG-13 movie, yeah. and it. And they were going for PG-13, which I think is important for their demographics. It was only made rated R because the the rating community was uncomfortable with the witchcraft with the idea stuff. of witchcraft. And like, if, if I feel like if they knew they were going to be rated R, and it was like, all right, well, fuck it. And they could have like leaned into some of the more horror aspects. It could have made it better. Or if if this is a PG-13 movie, you might look at it. Because like, when you rent this movie, it's like, oh, the craft, high school, rated R, witches. So you go, oh shit, and then you watch it, and it's it's, it's a PG thirteen movie, very much. Like so. it's not, it yeah. doesn't have any teeth, which is fine. I like those types of movies, and this movie is important for a certain demographic. But it's a real shame that it was made rated R, simply because it people are big audience, people yeah, are big babies about yeah. you know that's whatever. Stupid. The devil, ugh. grow up. So uh, <laughs> two other things. First off. The scene on the beach where they were summoning, summoning Manon, which is a, a god that was made up for the movie. Uh, there is no such thing in in nope. witchcraft or any other thing. It's actually just a common French that female we name. we know of yet. Yeah, but, but, might, but weird shit kept happening during that sequence. Like they kept having issues. Like even the moment where she, where Furza Paul gives her a big "Come into me," all the power on the set. Like went off right at that moment when uh-huh. she finished her line. It was like, whoa, this is creepy. Like every time they started filming, the waves started like coming in in a not normal way yeah. onto the shore where they would have to move things back. It was like it was for the people reported on the set. They were like, that was super fucking creepy that that was happening. I love stories like that. I love so it too. Yeah. Repeated and also even if, it, thing, even if it is myth making, I, I love stories like that. The it's last great. thing is the German title of this film is Der Hexen Club, which is I'm sorry, a much better title. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I want to start a band called Der Hexen, Hexen Club. Club. <laughs> Der Hexen, Der Hexen Club. Club. Should we rename Deliberations of Doom to Hexen Der Club? Hexen Club. <laughs> I think uh, it just literally means female witch club. Yeah, which yeah. which. <laughs> Witch group. Yeah, yeah, but there's like... All right, we're the female witch club now. We're the female witch <laughs> Patience is our leader. I am. <laughs> what should we do? Which witch martyr would you be? I would be martyr... I, I would be the cruelest martyr. All of them. The, the, I would be martyr lacronym. Lacronym, which yeah, is... Yeah, which the, is... The, the, the martyr in the next film we're talking about, The Mother of Tears, the third film in the Suspiria trilogy uh, that was made in she 2007. She's not a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> Of them it's pronounced witch. Oh, sorry. Witch. <laughs> if you're a goblin. Witch! <laughs> um, I was really excited that this movie was being made when it was, when I, and following very closely it being made. And then when this initially came out, it was skewed, it was attacked to a point where it was, where people were literally telling me, other critics were like, do yourself a favor, don't watch this movie so you can preserve your memories of how much you love Zesperia and Inferno. I think they're wrong. I watched this and went, this is a not great movie, but come on, guys. Like, I think you're a little too holding on to how great Suspiria is of by criticizing this third aspect. Because this is Argento 
after a long, long period of almost starts making this film, getting to do it, a lot of like actresses who almost were the lead, even the actress from Inferno was uh, the surviving actress from Inferno at one point was going to be the lead in this. Oh, but he chose his daughter Asia. Asia, yeah. Asia, who's obviously been somewhat problematic recently. But Has she been? Talk about that. Oh, no, yeah. we don't. Oh, yeah. I don't know about it. Well, yeah, a lot of like sexual She had that Rose, Rose McGowan. She oh. she chose to be in that. I'm like on that Rose McGowan level of like, fuck all these male things, and then all these stories came out where she was sexually harassing people, oh, and it was like, oh fuck. And then also her boyfriend. Uh, Anthony Bourdain yeah, committed yeah. suicide. So there was a lot of stories of like, like where she was harassing dudes who she was working with to the point where they considered calling the police. Well, okay, yeah. here's here's something about Asia Argento that I do want to talk about. And Nick and I were talking about this last night. Was Nick brought up to me? He was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe how sexualized." Dario Argento portrayed her his own daughter. Yeah, his right. own she's daughter. naked in the movie. I wonder. Yeah, that. that's I mean, naked yeah. in every movie she's ever. She's been. naked, and, and it is Italian. Maybe there's something I'm missing, but it is weird that the director has his daughter in the it's, movie and she's and naked. And it's really weird. But unless you've seen Stenhall Syndrome, which we did during our Argento episode, um, he has her filmed being raped not once. But twice they have a weird relationship, and sure. and it's a brutal like it's it's not like Last House on the Left like level rape, but it's up there as far as like brutality is concerned. And it's like, how could you film your daughter in that kind of a situation? I think to some degree, it was just because like. She grew up in this environment. She knew what she was getting into in terms of like being in a horror movie. She wasn't literally raped. Yeah, like, I mean, there is a, uh, an epic of, like, of comfortable with sexuality, Italian. There's movie making. It's, it's a different. It's a different world. It's it's like hard to really judge in it through my prism. I'm sorry, but it is weird. Seeing my uh, my mythical daughter that I'll never have, like filming her being like even sort of pretend raped is. Yeah, it's well, weird. There's, there's and a directing weird. that scene. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah. like it's. it's hey, you need to you need to beat her up a little bit more. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. There's like, a weird sense of closure that comes with this film, though, because uh, Daria Nicolodi, who is the mother of Asia with Dario, um, has a role which is the most annoying part of this entire film. Oh, is that the ghost? Like the helpful mom? ghost. Oh. Who's her actual oh. mom? I mean, it's a crappy, oh. cheesy, it's terrible. Like te- that. that <laughs> That, that is in this movie way too much. I forgot about that. Mommy? 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 Mommy. Mommy. Right, someone needs to give the plot before we go further. Yeah, who wants to give the plot? It's uh, not me. Someone I don't want to do this one. I, I, the plot's mystifying it's, me. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's like both the other films. Like, it's the same. Like they discover... And like I forgot we were in Discover, but Discover like a thing that has some artifacts. An yeah, they urn. dig up a a a, a, a corpse. Yeah, they, with a, a additional bonus box. Yeah, there's a prize. There's a prize. There's a prize. It's a talisman, which happens to be like a cool eighty sweater with like glitter paint yeah. ruins on well, it. Oh yeah, they pop that thing monkey open. Paint, I think some yeah. a fucked up monkey and some fucked up people come it's, and it's wreck a someone. It's a baboon. Oh, it's a baboon. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a baboon that mysteriously is like the antagonist. The, of the devil's baboon comes and they they totally like 
they kill the shit out of this chick. I, I can't remember exactly, but it's they brutal. kill her like like so it's, curdly. It's a re- like, it's one of the yeah, highlights. Of the she movie. was strangled with her own intestines. You see yeah. Argento films. There's a single graphic shot. This one, wow, it lingers. Yeah. Holy crap. It is. A, like, yeah. They it's, just brutalize the fuck out of her. Yeah. I see in my notes. The first death scene is a very long one. <laughs> it goes on and on. I kind of like it. but And then so then Adriana Argento works there, if I yeah, remember Yeah, she works at the museum where her friend who works there because the guy... All right, so let me try and figure this out. <laughs> yeah. Take me a minute. Uh, the guy who dug it up, one of the guys who dug it up was like, oh, I have a friend in the museum... Who knows a lot? The the one of the priests who's in charge of the the the, the religious area of the film. It's like, yeah, I have guy is secular, but he knows a lot more than I do about the stuff. Let's send it to him. Okay, and then it gets there, and, Asia and he's Gento not there, and her uh, superior yeah. decide to look into it. Yeah, even though the guy's not there, who is Asia Argento's boyfriend, Michael. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and all chaos is let loose. And I think one of the key moments of the film happens right there where, like, Asia Argento gets to witness this girl, the, the woman being slaughtered, and hears a voice in her head. He's like, run. Telling her what now. to do. Yeah. And Obi-Wan Kenobi style. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. basically and, Morpheus. And it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's important to note here that because the urn or the surprise box has come to Rome. Surprise box. Yeah, we're going to call it that. <laughs> like that. Um, the surprise box has come to Rome. People have started. It's, com- it's like the apocalypse. Pe- it's like people are fighting each other. Other, killing each other like it's it's like the crazies yeah, a little right. bit is the only way that i could describe it like people are just like randomly getting in into fights like and, riots and murders yeah and riots and, and, and yeah just, i don't feel like it goes far enough but that's that was it. it's, it's the, such an afterthought it's the one it's and this has to be a budget thing because this is the one part of this movie that could have been interesting and set it apart from suspiria and yes. if it was so focused on that like if it was this Post nearly post apocalyptic pandemonium and this story was happening within that. So much better, and I think that's what they wanted. Argento wants us to be like the most his magnum opus of this, where it's like, oh my god, this has gone beyond the single location. This is that point, the most powerful of all the witches, which they keep repeating throughout the series, Mm -hmm. the youngest but most evil and and depraved, like and most powerful, like. It's going into a phase that feels like like demons, like we were no. talking about earlier. Like like oh shit, everyone is infected in, in in Rome, and it always feels like every time they're shooting, it's like there's two people Three in the back fight. of the yeah. frame that are it's, having a fight. I you know? hate to like I hate to like blame a movie for its limitations on budget and things like that. Yeah, but sometimes you have to know you have to know what your limitations are, like what you can do, and just. Cut. You have to be willing to be like, okay, we have to scrap this idea because like we cannot portray it the way it's meant to be portrayed. And I think that's the it's the biggest drawback of this entire movie. Because other stuff in it works really it has well, potential. But yeah. the idea of that is so fucking cool. This movie's loaded with potential. Yeah. to be a much better movie than it ends up being. Yeah, and it just never really. And like that. to your point, we were talking about like how the critics at the time were just like, don't waste your time with this movie. Fuck this movie. Like, I just see that if you have your expectations, but when you're dealing with like. A movie 30 years after the original, right? Yeah, 87, yeah, 30 years after, director way past his prime. The movie is better than what you would expect that to be, but if you're, like, holding on to this, like, 
conclusion to this trilogy that you like love. Or, like it's super yeah, disappointing. It's yeah. nowhere near as bad as some of the other movies Argento has made. Well, no, yeah, it's a step it's up above Inferno, as far as I'm concerned, by a reasonable margin. It, with the exception of the opening scene of Inferno, because I don't think there's any single scene in this film that's as good as that uh, underwater scene in Inferno. I don't think this scene has a def- this movie has a definitive scene. In it. Perhaps not a set piece, but I do feel like it's got a bunch of like little grace moments. I remember like as I'm watching it, thinking like, "All right, this is this is Argento. Like, let's let's move this on, get this done." Every so often, I'd be like. Oh shit! Did he did it again? All right, all right. That's fair. That's good. And yeah. one of the most standout ones for me, and it's just a small little bit, but uh, when uh, the main girl's calling her newly newfound mentor friend's house to warn her to get out of there, but we already know she's already dead, and the bald man is there listening to her on the phone, and he just starts <laughs> screaming into it, and his mouth like distorts and screams so loud that coming through the phone to the payphone that she's talking on, like, she can't handle it and eventually has to tear it out of the thing. It's like... Well, I got the assumption that that was supposed scene. to be, like, a, a cult thing happening. Like, he was in a cult <clears throat> scream and she was trying to force yeah. herself away from it, but it was really badly edited. Oh, I actually... For whatever reason, I liked that. I was for a moment really? just like... I, I, I was, like, like, it took right me back into it. figure out what was happening during it. I was like, <laughs> this is so clippy. Well, and it's abstract, I guess, but it's like... Yeah. So it's out of context from anything that happened before or since, but as like a scene taken by itself, just like, I enjoyed that idea. It was an interesting scene. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you with that, Nick. Um, but I feel like, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to go back to Inferno a little bit here where he just kind of like decided to put all of these like little random clips throughout the film where you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And he kind of sort of continued that into mother of tears. I feel like, and this is going to be my overall like thoughts on both Inferno and Mother of Tears. I feel like the plots are really super basic. Yeah. It's like, um, we found this book, we found this urn, we found this house, and now I'm running away from this evil presence that is killing everyone around me for no apparent reason, including hot dog vendors. <laughs> And I'm getting eaten alive by rats or, you know, I'm being chased by a baboon just because I talked to this person one time. No, you're not wrong. And it's yeah. it just no, the plot is so basic. But at the same time, it's really super fussy because he's introducing all of these non-essential characters just so that they can be killed off. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah, so we've got a series of scenes that aren't tied together by anything except a very confusing non-linear sort of exactly. plotline. Just so that those scenes can exist. Just so, and yeah. then so and, we and, have these really final destination death scenes. <laughs> just, I, I mean, like, okay, so we have, you know, who, I love him, but, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Udo Kier. For, you know, who is just like an amazing, yeah, legend. I, legendary. So he's introduced for all of five minutes just so he can get like decapitated. <laughs> it's one of the best death scenes. It's a movie. really good yeah. death scene, but at the same time, you're just like, so what, like, I, what was the point of that? Like, you have no emotional yeah. attachment you know what, to anybody. What's great with saying is you're describing what the essential flaw is between Suspiria. Exactly. A little less so in Inferno, even more so in this one, is he, None of them are plot-driven. A lot of yep. his movies aren't. Like, it's like, fuck a plot. I'm creating a mood here. And I'm creating, like, fear 
and it's with the cinematography, it's with the performances, and it's with um, the score. That's my concern. And it's done perfectly in Suspiria. It's done decently in Inferno, and it's sort of done in Mother of Tears. And, like, it, that's the issue is, like, it's diminishing returns when it comes to that. And when he does master that mood, it makes the plotlessness and, the like, the wandering of it. Like in, really engrossing. I still think back to when I when I remember reading originally when we were first reviewing Suspiria, like when they first released it to press, the score wasn't finished, so they had a generic score, and the press were not kind to it. Mm, yeah, and yeah. then they saw it again with the Goblin score, and everyone was like, "Holy shit!" See? And then Inferno has a score not by Goblin, but by Keith Emerson from Emerson, like in Palmer, who chose to do a weirdly religious score, mm-hmm. and it doesn't really work at all. And you're constantly missing yeah. the bombasticness. Yeah, when you're of making Goblin. when you're making a plotless movie. All the other elements. When you're making like a mood movie or like a tempo movie, it's a movie. Everything must everything must on point. Yeah, exactly. And And one of those elements are off a little bit. This one, at least, he's smart enough to get uh, Claudio Simonetti, who was the keyboardist of Goblin, uh, who like tries, but it still doesn't have anywhere near that thing. It's not till the ending sequence, the confrontation with Mother of Tears, that it starts being like, this feels kind of like Goblin, yeah. but that's because that's the one scene where he brought in his own his own heavy metal band, De- uh, Demonia, I think is how it's pronounced, <laughs> yeah, to do it, where it's like, okay, this sounds a little Goblin-y, but you're still like not quite there, but it's fascinating how to study all three films, even though they're very similar in a lot of ways, the music is such a key part of what makes Suspiria work as well as it does and what fails in these other two mm-hmm. films that you it's, can't help but point your finger I, I mean, I mostly agree with you on that. I think that the music is very important to Suspiria. I also think that the cinematography and the colors and that, like, techno, you know, tronic color is so important in Suspiria. Which, is yeah, it, you know what? Which I wrote, isn't here in this. Yeah, I wrote that yeah. down. It's like lack of color. Because even yeah. Inferno had Inferno some, like, almost... It had a little bit. It had a little bit. But he also... I mean, I'm sorry, but Suspiria actually had kind of a plot like it actually you could follow a plot and and you could be like okay so i get it inferno didn't have any plot at all it had a little bit of color i mean there's a plot it's just a launching point it's for a bunch terrible. of abstract sequences and then mother of tears had a little bit of a plot mother of tears maybe suffer from too much plot you know, like we were talking about, just throwing things at it to like get the, to the it's, scene. Yeah, it's, like, it's a lot of exactly. give us the it's scene. A lot of feels like we got to tie up a bunch of shit, right? So, like, let's mention things. Uh, to be fair, Inferno didn't even mention Suspiria. Yeah, this, this one, one specifically mentions Suspiria. Talks about Susie Banyan, the character from the protagonist from Suspiria. I'm like, I appreciate that. I want that to be a thing. Like, like he wanted Inferno to feel like it could be a totally standalone film. By the time he got around to this movie, he was like, okay, we're past that. I also feel (laughs) like maybe Dario Argento watched a little too many Clive Barker movies before he made this, because that whole end scene with the witches when she finally invades their, like, you know, cave, it's so, like, Lord of Illusions to me, where they're, like, self-mutilating. Or maybe even Carpenter's, like, Ghost of Mars, where they're just, like, (laughs) self-mutilating. Yeah, no, we (laughs) fucking hate. Ghosts of Mars, but we like Lord of Illusions, or at least you know I did, and I you did. did. I like, yeah, it. but that whole self mutilation where they're just like really the self mutilation thing, I thought was 
It's very Clive, it was very like, Clive Barker. Yeah. Super to me. hot mother of tears for the record. Oh yeah. I do distractingly hot. I think yeah. it's oh my telling gosh. that the way she was defeated is that her tunic was just taken off. That's, I, that's how you oh, I made mean, her naked. You made her, her naked. Her, that's how you her can her. sweater with <laughs> glitter paint gel. Yeah. But I mean, I do want to say there is one redeeming factor at least for me being the gore queen. Um, this movie has so many good deaths. It has a lot of good kills. Like, okay, so first of all, we have the friend of the museum who gets, uh, you know, disemboweled and... and Strangled with her I mean, it it lasts like ten minutes, and you're just like, holy shit. Udo Kier, who gets just... Uh, I guess killed by his. I guess it's his secretary. He's just brutalized yeah. like, uh, repeatedly over to the point of where his, he's unrecognizable. But my favorite was the psychic lesbian yeah. who gets a full on poker to the vagina, fireplace poker oh, to yeah. the vagina. No, that was actually was really just, rough. I want to take this out of context. It was amazing. Like, my favorite is a psychic lesbian <laughs> getting a poker to the vagina. <laughs> I get this on repeat at home. <laughs> Well, you... I love the fact that the, the satanic guys have a specific tool that's mechanized with buttons <laughs> for poking out people's eyes. <laughs> like, they're just going, shit, And this feels like more complicated than it needs to be. But then he has to go get a, a fireplace poker to vagina what? skewer. It, it, She's, he spit roasted her. And it's like and a good. super, super, like, fire... It's like a huge thing. It's like a huge... It's like six like, feet long. Yeah. Yeah. It goes through her whole entire it body. It is a brutal And it takes a while. Yeah. It's yeah. like, one of those, like, is this not at the... Oh, wait, the final say. Okay, now it happened. <laughs> it's a brutal kill. <laughs> Uh, that is a good kill. There are a lot of good kills in this movie. But it's still not a good oh, yeah. movie. It's, it's, it's not a good movie, but it's... Uh, I don't want to... like People who are like have been avoiding this because of the bad press... Like, the press has changed over time as well to say, like, come on, this is goofy, but it's not, yeah. like, a total piece of shit. Like, it, it is entertaining. I had a fun time watching this. The frustration is largely, God, this could have been so much better than it is. All the elements are there for this to be a better film. It's it's doing that whole, like we were talking about, like, the, oh, the worldwide apocalypse is happening because of this. And that could have been so much cooler. It's such a but. great idea that just the witch's presence would just inspire everyone to, like, freak out and attack each other. I love it. It's it's one one of the, right. I it's mean, them titties. It's one, of, <laughs> it's one of the few few movies, especially so recently, that I could I really wouldn't mind a remake. Or, like, some sort of, like, take these original ideas of stories. Or just the idea of a witch creating post-apocalyptic chaos and rights in the street. And then, like, having to try to track down and find this cause of this amongst this, that's a good idea. And it's something that isn't necessarily been done. There's nothing, I don't think, I can't think of another horror movie that's, like, people are going apeshit and killing everyone, and this one person or this thing is causing it, we need to get here for that. And they're creating, essentially, a zombie apocalypse with coherent life zombies. Like, that's an interesting idea, and it can be really mine for a really good movie. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, where's the budget going to come for that? You make it a direct sequel? Like, how do you do that exactly? It's a shame. It's a cool cool idea. It feels like if Inferno had been more backed up by Fox and it had been a bigger hit, like... Then maybe this would have given yeah. like happened earlier. This would have come out. Would have had <laughs> would have been had more budget attached to it. Yada yada. But as it is, we get what we get. And I don't think this is a totally dissatisfying end of the trilogy. I did not like this movie. 
Fair enough. Yeah. I like the kills. That's it. Well, let's talk about a movie that I suspect you do like, which is Sam Raimi's 2009 Drag Me to Hell after a very long period of trying to get this movie made, uh, although largely held up by Sam Raimi's own commitments to making the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. films. Uh, like I say, like, he's a Jewish guy. <laughs> he makes him Spider-Man. 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 I'm Mr. Spider-Man. I'm Mr. Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, he finally got to do this movie, uh, which was wildly well-reviewed, and horror audiences did not care for. Well, you know, I think the hardcore horror people saw it and loved it, and I think the casual horror fan, yeah. really, uh, just like was like, no, did yeah. not did not go to it. I, I just don't know why. It I is- saw this at South By and was like, I love this movie. I get exactly what you were going for. This is a big, goofy, sloppy, like one of those like, oh, turn away from the screen because it's just too ridiculously like gross, but not in a conventional horror movie sort of way thing. Like, oh, a fun horror movie to watch. And this is like Nick's favorite movie in the whole entire world. Is it? Do you want to give us a plot point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually it's not my favorite in the whole world, and I do see some complaints about it, but I do I also like it quite a bit. But so the general plot is Allison Loman plays a bank loan officer, and she is vying for a promotion with a new guy at work, and he's just an awful prick and really like working to get that promotion. Goddamn Stu. Uh, <laughs> Stu, that's Stu. Um anyways, uh an Older lady comes in asking for an extension on her loan, and if she doesn't get the extension, her house will be repossessed. And Allison Loman talks to her boss and is like, "Hey, like, I'd like to extend this." And her boss is like, "Well, it's up to you." With the implication that if you extend it, you will probably not get the promotion. Yeah. So she chooses not to extend it, and then the old woman, the gypsy, freaks out and has a big scene, which also freaks Allison Loman's character out, Christine, and uh, then she gets cursed. For forever. For you don't want the gypsy curse on you. Yeah, you absolutely and, do not. And uh, we're just going to precursor this with saying that they call themselves gypsies in the movie. We're not using it as a derogative term. Oh, no. absolutely. We do not mean that out. at all. We do this not is mean the way that. the movie addresses yeah, this. We're, and this is also pre the time when someone came back around to going, it, oh, Roma, gypsy's offensive. Yeah, it's and offensive. Like, this was before the time that anyone was even having that discussion. So, so we're not, we're just going to call them gypsies because that's what they call them in the movie. Whatever, gypsy. y'all are all racist. <laughs> <laughs> gypsy! <laughs> See? Why are you such a, why speaking, are you gypping me right now? Speaking <laughs> of trigger warnings, though, one of the things I think is really interesting about this movie is how much eating disorders are plumbed for horror. Like, yeah. sort of symbolically and emotionally and, and ticks. Like, Interesting. And once you you recognize it, like, nearly every scary scene's got something to do with with eating disorders. With, with, with her mouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, food uh, everything and involves her mouth. Everything that bad bad happens to her. And or, eat- the word, or the gypsy's mouth. No, no, it hurts. no oh, her the gypsy mouth. vomits into her mouth. <sighs> Multiple times. Or puts her whole entire fist in her mouth Mm -hmm. at one point. And then um, it's pointed out uh, by the the, uh, gypsy woman's granddaughter that she was fat when she was a kid. To be fair, let's keep going with the plot. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry, Let's continue the plot. So she gets cursed for forever. Her boyfriend, Justin Long, maybe fiancé, I'm not sure about that part, uh, 
Almost fiance. Regularly Almost makes, fiance. makes a point during it of pointing out that he uses extensively Apple products. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so he doesn't believe what's going on, and they go back and forth, and Justin Long's normally, like, charismatic character turns into the most obnoxious person in the world for, like, the first half of the movie. True. We move past that. Hmm. Eventually I, he becomes more I sort of disagree, but yeah, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> you go. Uh, and so we find out that the curse is all centered on a button that this woman, this old woman who had her loan refused, pulled off of Christine's coat. And so whoever owns this button is the owner of this curse, and it can't be undone until someone else owns it. So you can't burn it. doesn't matter the condition of the button. You maybe might have to give it to someone. And, and that's what she winds up eventually battling with. Be- for that point, she tries everything else she can to end this curse. Including- like, seriously, like, I was kind of a little pissed off at, at the end of this movie because I was like, oh, I just have to give away the button. So I killed my cat. I had to pay $10,000. She fucking killed her cat. She paid $10,000 for this exorcism that uh, didn't work. And then all I had to do was give this button to Yeah, like, but and then damn someone to hell for eternity. Oh, okay, <laughs> did you meet Stu? Because that dude's a fucking yeah, dick. Right. The, the thing is, like, if you the idea is if you give this button away now and damn someone to hell, when you die, you're going to hell. Are, are you're you- going to hell. Why? Why does it matter? So I had a problem with that, except for the part of dialogue where the character who plays a, uh, a like you know the spiritualist inv- advisor here, uh, whose name is ba- based on uh, Ram Das, but uh, uh, was Ram Joss, played by <laughs> Dilip Rao, who would go on to be a very familiar character actor, and he's wonderful. He says he's well. an the reason I didn't tell you this is because my soul. Is in trouble yeah. by telling you this that you can do that because you're sending another person to hell. And I'm your accomplice, and I'm your accomplice, and I'm like, I get that. That yeah. makes sense. It, yeah. it makes it makes total sense. It makes yeah. it's a heavy thing. To, like if like I knew I was going to die in a day and go to hell, and it's like you don't have to do that, but you have to send someone to hell in your place and be like. Well, fuck. Yeah. I, I hit. That's like brutal, you know? Like, it's a it's a great you device. You are better people than I am. Yes. <laughs> but like in, in, in this reality, in this reality, hell exists and it's a place you can go. So if you send someone there, you have to know. But you're, you're going essentially to hell either way. What does but it mom, fucking but the matter? Guy, the guy isn't. The guy who's the spiritual advisor isn't. He's yeah. like. But and they also right. figure out the loophole of giving it to the dead woman, which. It's a little, little, like, they figure that loophole right under the wire that doesn't work. (laughs) Okay, so she's fucking stupid for not double-checking that the button was in the envelope. I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) I would have been checking that shit every five minutes. I would have been obsessed. The the twist at the end is, like, she does everything she needs to. She does the thing she she should to The woman that cursed her. And I I will admit. It is one of my only problems with this movie is that she doesn't win. And I feel like because it feels like, and many critics have talked about this, it feels like you're making a statement about, like, saying, hey, ladies, no matter how hard you try, you can't win. Oh, Oh, that's fucking I I, I disagree, and I... No, but I feel like that's the message. I know, I totally disagree. I think think it has to do with gender... It has to do with... The slightest discretion. It's just like a telemorality and like being selfish and like putting your own needs over the like of the needs of others. That's it. Like she was and like she did the thing and I love I love the ending because it's brutal and it's not fair. But the curse is the curse. It's not fair. And and that's the thing of like horror movies, like heart and like the horror tale, like the morality point is made and she does learn from it. 
but it doesn't fucking matter, and that is scary. I will but, admit, I have a personal thing, period, of, like, I want the protagonist to survive the end of a horror I was movie. hoping she would survive it, too. And yeah. especially considering the entirety of the movie was so unfair to her, and obviously that's that's the point of it. That's that's how it's supposed to work. Where right. you're just like, ah, like, that's awful. Like, why is everything so shitty for her and she's trying so hard? And then when she really she tries... Made, she made one mistake. Yeah. Which yep. was totally a thing that you were like, it is a... It, it's a moral decision that you could see anyone having trouble with. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, seriously? She has to be punished for that? It's, it's, and she does everything she can to earn back goodwill after that. Yeah. And I'm like, I felt like the, it was a little unearned, her uh, losing. See, I almost, I, I almost love that, though. It's it's weird, because I agree completely, and I love her as a character. I love her as an actress. I think she's incredible in the role. And I think the movie shows that she's gone through complete hell for these few days. But it's what makes it ultimately scary, because the movie itself isn't terribly scary. You get some jumps in there. No. It's really fun. It's goofy and fun. But right. the, yeah. the end is scary, because she's very likable, and she does everything she can, and the curse is the curse. And no matter what she does, it's game over. Like, it's and a, that's, yeah. that's a scary thought, you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's fun. a very nihilistic idea, and otherwise, largely... Hard to say if it's comedic, like really, really deep, dark comedy... But yeah, he gets it's some Looney Tunes shit. I, I love Justin Long, but I feel like he's like oh. just along for the ride. Uh, <laughs> but how long have you been waiting to tell that joke, Dad? Los and I, Shot Los and I, were watching this movie earlier today, and and he was like, "Wow, this movie's really fuck." I mean, he was laughing, and I was like, "Wow, I I definitely forgot how funny this movie is." It's There's funny. a lot of great. Humor. Um, it's disgusting yes. for one. And, but it's laugh while you're grossed out. Yeah, I mean, well, there was a couple of times where I was like, I get, I mean, I can't. The sequence where the old lady has her mouth like, on the chin. <laughs> and that shit is Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, look anywhere but yeah. what's happening. I was like, uh, There's uh, also like uh, uh, the running gag of her ripping the hair out throughout yeah, the movie with those exactly. is really funny. I don't know if but I'm, the old lady being so gross and then like like using her toothless <laughs> mouth to like spit or vomit green shit on. I loved it. Uh, yeah. It was. Oh, and oh, that just reminds me. It's like one of the all-time great sequences, and it's like master Sam Raimi combining CGI practical like shooting around the car like that action sequence in the attack of the car yeah it was so, so that was so evil dead though good. it oh, was yeah. so it's, good by the same token there was a bunch of sequences of CG stuff that just fell completely flat. It looks so bad. Like the na- like the, the handkerchief stuff. The handkerchief okay. stuff. Yeah. When, uh, the had, witch gets her I eyes I only had one problem out. with that, with the eyes popped out. Yeah. Where it was like, this yeah. was Oh, awful. that was so bad. bad. Rainy, at the very you end. know yeah. that. You, you know this before. Yeah. You've done this before. You know that looks like shit. How that, did you allow this to make the final cut? The setting is that could be, that's an easy cut. My favorite one was where she has the nosebleed that shoots out no, at her that. bank manager that. that and he's like is it in my mouth that's, is it in my mouth wrote that down I was like the funniest crying line. You know what? actually I'm curious did everyone watch the unrated version or the theatrical I watched the unrated uh, unrated yeah yeah same here yeah I did theatrical I, I've seen both plenty of times I prefer a theatrical too unrated. Really? Yeah. Really? There's the, the nosebleed pussy. <laughs> well, no, it's just like some of, the, some of the jokes work better like the nosebleed section the nosebleed thing is 
this is like a lot of it and it goes and goes and it's way more cartoony, which is a bit better, but the cat killing and the unrated one, it shows her like the stabbing with the blood mm-hmm. coming up. But in the theatrical version, there's a hey kitty kitty, hey kitty kitty, and, it and it's doesn't that's a hard cut to the dead cat with dirt going on. I agree. Uh, and that is that a is better a, joke. I that's agree that they should true. not have shown the cat, yeah. actual cat. I mean, and well, those are the only... Show, well, they show, they like show the cat. Yeah. They show, they show like, stabbing yeah. and a blood splash. And, and yeah. those are like the only two hard changes from both. And I think like the theatrical cut, like that joke is worth... I think that overall with Drag Me to Hell, like, I like how she became this really meek, like, I'm gonna get walked all over by the man, female character to, like, I fucking hate you, bitch, and she's, like, fucking Mm -hmm. forcing this shovel down this, you know ancient gypsy woman's throat and she I mean and she's like covered in mud and and I mean she because she was so passive in the beginning and she and she really finds her soul but at the same time it really didn't bother me that she died in the end like it really didn't like I was like yeah she's I mean she kind of deserved it I think it's what gives the movie some teeth other than that Mm -hmm. it's very fun but it's like the thing that makes it a horror and not a roller coaster ride purely. Because yeah. it's designed to be a fun up and down, oh, oh, shock. And then if it ends, it feels slight. But, at, but it has one of the all-time greatest opening and endings to a movie, booking perfectly. The movie opens with a child literally being drugged to hell. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit. And it, it flashes on the screen, drag me to hell. Yeah. Ends with the exact same thing happening to your protagonist, drag me to hell. It is a great bookend of just like... a. It makes a fun no. movie super fucked up. Well, I just feel like horror movies, they puss out in the end. They're like, <laughs> oh no, the protagonist has to win, win every single time. The hero or the heroine. I, like I feel like I'm struggling with them the whole time. I, I want I like them it when to they succeed. die. I like yeah. it when they die. We're on opposite sides. I, I, we I, always I'm, have been. <laughs> I'm right down the middle of you guys. I think the movie depicts it like one of my... All time favorite ending to movie, which is like something I actually hate the ending, but I love how weird it is. Is the end of the mist, which is such a brutal. Oh, ending. it's amazing! I love the end, of but I that is like it. it is like oh, it's it's one of the biggest. And that's an ending that Stephen King didn't write, yeah, yeah. but thought it was but better than his own. Totally exactly. loved it. He actually only the best. He even said, "I have no idea how to end this." When I was writing it, it was like, "I don't know how to," so I'm releasing it. He just with statements saying, "Like this is unfinished." But, but that's you know, my point is like, like at the end of the mist. It seems kind of unfair, and it's so no, fucked it's up. amazing. It but like, it's a similar thing in Drag Me to Hell. It's unfair and fucked up, but it makes but the movie. What I like better. about the mist is that it introduces you to a whole new level of the world. Yeah, like it. It's not the fact that it's. The a downer. It's the fact that, like, holy shit, we expanded the universe exponentially yeah, with it, and that's why it's cool. Well, Can I say yeah. a quick thing yes, about the ending of, of Drag Me to Hell? So perhaps the unfairness is warranted because so we feel like she's kind of learned her lesson about like being, you know, selfish, self, selfish, or selfless or whatever. But the real lesson to have been learned here is that it's all the men in her lives that are evil, and she's still trying to fight this woman. Yeah. At the end of it, okay. So it's it's her boss, it's her new the coworker. Failure is it's, focusing on the women as opposed to the men. Like, oh, that's an interesting point. Yeah, and I so maybe she didn't learn her lesson after all. Therefore, still cursed. I didn't even think about you that. Died. I didn't either. Well, because like because uh, you're talking about Justin Long, I think he's one of the all time 
It's, well, not all time, but he's one of the better skeptical boyfriend characters we've had. And he's one of the best milk toast white guy yeah, characters. Yeah, so often the skeptical, <laughs> the skeptical boyfriend sucks so much in these movies, and like these seven, and he's skeptical but never not supportive. He never doesn't love her. Like I he like, hated him at first, but he definitely yeah, war- I warmed up to him as me and my girlfriend are watching it. I was like, you know what? Like that is a really well written like character that's one note. But the fact that he isn't it's like totally disregarding her feelings. Like he's like, you know what? Like. I want to get this done for you. Believe this is happening. Yeah, let's do it. Like and that's a big thing. That's a big thing in a horror movie like this. Like I, it's interesting. I really like that whole philosophical debate he had with the spiritualist about Carl Jung, and they're just oh, going yeah, back and good. forth. And she's I like, "Can it. you guys shut the fuck up yeah. and let me have my spiritual <laughs> reading your, right your now?" Point, your point about the the men in her life like misleading you're like this guy in here where she's focusing on this woman. But that is interesting. That's that a, is another actually wrinkle a very, to it. Yeah, I wonder if that's even. Point. An intended point, or if that's just something that's yeah, happened naturally. This could have been just a read it's, that I took. It's cool. Yeah. Well, okay. For the sake of time, I'm going to move on, but last points of just notes that I, I wrote down here. First off, this was edited by an Academy Award winning editor for the who won an award for The Hurt Locker, nice. who also worked on like four other Sam Raimi films. Uh, Sam Raimi played one of the ghosts in the seance. Cool. <laughs> uh, Sam Raimi films are known for their cameos. One of the weird exceptions is this is one of, I think, two Raimi films that Bruce Campbell doesn't appear in. Oh, yeah. At least in a brief cameo. Even fucking a movie that he worked on, I think, as a... Uh, uh, Fargo, which Raimi was involved in as like an editor or something, there's a Bruce Campbell. Yeah, he's in some Coen Brother movies. Yeah, he's yeah. just. Oh, because I forgot the Coens worked on Evil Dead. Yes, they I did. Forgot about that. Yeah. They have a very long standing friendship. Yeah. Uh, 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 as well, Ted Raimi, even Ivan Raimi, who is not a film guy, he's a, a doctor in real life, has a cameo in this film. Um, uh, lots of this was borrowed very heavily from the Jacques Tenor film Night of the Demon, which I, I talked about in part one, or you talked about in part one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the images of the demons, the whole plot idea is borrowed pretty much wholesale from that movie. Also, uh, Ellen Page was originally the person cast here hmm. in the. Oh, you know I, what? Would I think not. she would have been excellent. Yeah. I was just, I was just about to say, I think she would have been terrible. Well, I mean, the thing is, I, I love Alison Lohman in this I movie. Think she's amazing. I think she's so good. I it. strongly disagree. Oh man, that's wow, crazy. Really? I she think is, the weakest part of this film is Alison. I, 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 she I, had I a shock and blast of bugs into her mouth. That is, a, she's a. I just think she's a really, maggots. I think she's a really mediocre actress. Wow. I, I dig her in this whole thing and Matchstick Men. Another one. Exactly. See, she's when she's brother. going crazy at the at the parents' dinner table, oh, that yeah. was such a great part. When she sees the eyeball, and she stabs it, and she's like trying to act normal, and she's crazy. Yeah, I great. She was that great. is a great scene. One other oh, curious yeah. what if about this that I read is um during this because it was written before Spider Man started, and then in the doing all the Spider Mans, he wanted to do this movie. At one point, he offered it to Edgar Wright. Yeah. Edgar Wright turned it down and said, like, I'd love to do it, but I think it would just feel like karaoke. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, uh, his, so much of his style is informed by Sam Raimi, and if he was literally doing Sam Raimi's movie, I think I it get it. Like, but, I feel like I would just be copying you. Yeah, but it could. Be I, honest. It totally yeah. feels like their styles are similar yeah, in a lot of ways. It could be cool, yeah. But I will say, like, I, I don't, like, obviously we're offering criticisms here and there of this film, but holy crap, if you guys heard bad anything bad about this movie and haven't watched it, watch this yeah. movie. It's yeah, oh, really I want to say, I think it's, I think it's up there with Sam Raimi's best. Like, I do too. Like, I'm saying, along with Evil Dead too. like, it's, 
that good filmmaking it's level. It's fun. Well, goofy, and be prepared go- for goofy. Evil Dead 2 throwback right towards the end, like right before the third act, I think. Right, the seance? Yeah. The, oh, oh uh, yeah. Goat, the goat. I forgot about the goat scene. Oh, the goat scene. <laughs> so incredible. incredible. So the seance scene is not absurd, but it's wonderful. Forget to point out. The you car is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the, the car. car she owns is the car from The Evil Dead, as is in every single Sam Raimi film. That car, it's even the Spider-Man films. Yes. Oh, and also yeah. this movie is PG-13. Yeah, which is which fucking is insane. insane because yeah. okay, really seriously, I can't believe this is PG-13. <laughs> yeah, and I can't imagine how many times I gagged out mm-hmm. loud it's so because gross. it's so fucking disgusting. It's like really gross. I mean, the amount of of shit that goo. goes in her mouth. Goo. Well, a lot of vomiting in other people's mouths. I don't know if you know, on the special features of the DVD, the, the scene where she does get uh, vomited in her mouth, like by like the, there's like a puppet, a live puppet of the old woman, and it was literally like with bugs and dirt, and it was <laughs> shot into her face and oh, open no. mouth of worms. That's like a real, not CGI thing. Oh, like, no. she went through hell <laughs> making this movie. That's, and that'd be why I'm saying I love her so much in this movie. Yeah, she's really so You see her in these special <laughs> things. you put up with this, I'll give her credit. Okay. As an actress should. alone, the fact that you let the shit happen to you. <laughs> she's a hero. Fair I enough. Great. Fair enough. Because it's goopy to a point that. I don't know anyone who would do this <laughs> on a bet with pay, whatever. Let's um, move on to our final film, which is Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, which Alan forced us to watch. He literally put a, a, a wooden Gatling gun to our heads <laughs> and said, we're watching this movie. But that being said, Hansel, Hansel. thank you. Yeah, Thank I you for it. making me rewatch this. Nice. Because I reviewed this when it came out, and I did not care for it at all. In fact, I felt angry, if I remember correctly, about <laughs> it. I was like, fuck you, movie. Uh, and watching this again on home release, I was like, what did I... This movie is so fun as fuck, dude. Yeah, I love it. If there's anything I can accomplish, is this reaction. As soon as, as soon as you said, "I want Hansel and Gretel," I was like, "I back you 100." percent I know. Patience rose me early on it. It's fucking fun. And I'm definitely ad man out here. I started this movie like five times before I finish it, which means based on the timeline, I only watched it for 15 minutes at a time before I had to give up on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how much I didn't like this one. This is less a horror movie than it is a it's action in the harsh fear yeah splatter action film the fact that there's witches and some gore makes it horror-ish but it's mostly an action movie yeah it's a splatter action film it's like action films that the kills are really gory yeah which I is a genre I've learned to love over time we've done well can I just point out that this is made by uh, I want to pronounce it right Tommy Wercola yeah who is uh, also the director of one of my favorite movies in the whole entire world, Dead Snow. I would say Dead Snow 2 is even better than Dead Snow. Uh, I'm, I mean, I love Dead Snow 2 as well, so I'm I'm right there with you. But I think this has the same comedic value and the same... Yeah, I mean, you can He's definitely... the same aspect. You can definitely see a lot of Raimi influences in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's, I'm, happy, I'm happy you said that because I forgot to say this. When we started, the transition from Dragon to Hell to this, it totally feels like Army of Darkness. Yeah. It feels like the end of that movie, Bruce Campbell could have been 
shot up into another yeah. wormhole and plopped into this world. Agreed. And would fit completely in. So put Bruce movie. Campbell and Jeremy Renner's character, and it's it's a Sam Raimi oh, should movie. Should we do a plot yeah. thing I, for this? I, oh, yeah. I will. This will. I, I keep turning on to other people, but I'll do this one uh, because why not? Unless someone else is like, no, I'm prepped for this. I mean. I'll do it since I suggested it. We all know the story of Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. We have never heard it before. Oh, you know, it's um, it's like a classic sex story. Uh, no, no, no. It's a different Hansel and Gretel I'm thinking of. So Hansel and Gretel get lured in by a witch. In this movie, Not anal. they're, um, in this movie. <laughs> That's Ansel. And I'm trying to, like, write. <laughs> <and Ansel. laughs> wait, wait. Did I watch the wrong movie? I want uh, What? Now you watched the right movie. So, uh, oh, wait. So, Hansel and Gretel starts off with them as children. Their father's leading away from them home. There's a mob coming to presumably kill their mother, who is a witch. It turns out later in the movie. But they get led away. They go into the witch's candy house. We all know the story. The witch tries to fatten them up with candy. They kill the witch. Flash shover into the oven. Flash years later, they're grown up now and they're hunting witches, which is like the perfect. Like if they had to take an aptitude test after this thing, <laughs> it would be like you should probably hunt witches, and they both signed up. You are either going to be a bulldozer driver or a witch hunter. Let me stop you right there. Yeah, let me stop you right there and say this is a world in which steampunk suddenly happened. Yeah, and people were like, here's a bunch of. Really amazing, super violent machine gun type <laughs> shit. I love it. With yeah. magical bases uh, to it that like is super brutal. Like stuff like knives that expand into third knives and then <laughs> turn record out players and, out of tree trunks. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, yeah. right? I mean, I like to think of this as the wild, wild west of yes. of witch hunter movies. Yes, yeah, so yeah, and, really and, and I do yeah. want to go in there. So they get called. They hunt witches. They get called to a town where a bunch of kids have gone missing. A big thing's about to happen with a bunch of witches when the moon's going to get big and the witches are going to do witchy-ass shit. <laughs> they got to stop them. That's basically the part of this movie. It's really the cut and dry. There's a troll. Big. Jeremy, Jeremy Renner has diabetes, which is really he funny. He has magic diabetes. He has magic diabetes, um, which because is incredible. He candy in the original house, um, and now he's got magic diabetes. Which is, is, which is such... That's, that's the thing about this movie. It's stupid, but it's also really clever. Oh, you that's have a, the sugar sickness. The sugar... It's a funny thing, like... A way a witch could curse someone and with the candy, this story, if you force fed a child candy nonstop, that child's gonna get some diabetes and, and like there's like insulin shots. It's just but it's all it's in this magic language. Shots. Yeah, it's incredible. That's such a funny Thank God cool they, thing. they they decided to get rid of the other subplot that one point that uh Oh uh, yes. That that uh the, his sister who is played by Jim Arterton had an eating disorder. Based yeah. on that circuit, sir. They were both going to give them some sort of thing and, from the witches, and but somebody went, "Yeah, I'm not sure." Yeah. That's it's it's be a smart move to give him uh, the the weakness, and it was like as it as they play out, she is sort of the leader of this duo. Oh, she's she's a smart one. She's a smart he's one. Yeah, the comical, funny one. Yeah, but yeah. he's clearly like the Aaron Cross from you know the Born Legacy <laughs> uh, witch hunter. I mean, he's what they're playing that up. They're, They're definitely playing up how he's like kind of like a super ninja. Well, it's like, funny because I think the movie is struggling in the edit of like he's the bigger no. star, but she's the focal point of the movie. And that's one of the low points of the movie is like they focus a, a bit too much on him and less on her, 
where she's clearly a stronger character. She's a smart. She's yeah. a smart one, and he's like the physical one. Yeah, Jim Arterton is one of those people who's played a wide variety of roles in her career, and always impresses. She's and, good. Yeah, and she's a really nice looking lady, and she's great at this action stuff. And I watch this movie, and I'm like, why isn't she in more action movies? Yeah. And the better ones. Yeah, she's she's better ones. Ones. She could yeah. easily be underserved I mean, by this movie. She could yeah. easily be in a Marvel movie as like one of the agents easily, or something. Like, easily. Yeah. She's like she she's like attractive. She's she good. made a really she's good physical. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. It's oh, it's, it's weird. Amazing, it's weird right? that, that she's not a bigger thing. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. Um, I also want to give a shout out because I absolutely love, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. I love Peter Stormare. Stormare. Oh, yeah. oh, I forgot about I love this well, man. Once again, a creepy yes. fucking piece and of shit. And he does guy. it in such a great way. I mean, I loved him in Constantine. Yes, I love Constantine. Fucking fight me. I love Constantine as well. Boop. I actually like Constantine too. Oh shit! I mean, I like the comics. Newsflash! This is Constantine. Chris, Chris? <laughs> Chris, hold on, I gotta get my magical Gatlin gun. <laughs> I don't know if it was the last time similar to this movie. Give Constantine a rewatch. It was so no, much it's fun. So good. It's I fun. watch it I every I single time. I feel the same way about Constantine as I do about yeah. this. If movie. anything, the shot of Keanu going to heaven, flicking off the devil, is worth that whole movie. Constantine is a deeply flawed movie. That nonetheless no. is wildly entertaining. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 And that one carried me along with it. This yeah. one, it, for me at least, this is so bombastic and such a retread of things we've seen like Constantine or Van Helsing or what have you. <laughs> oh, like, watch your mouth, buddy. I know. Oh, this, <laughs> this is straight up the same thing as Van Helsing as far as I'm concerned. Van Helsing is awful. Are you kidding me? No, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying no, don't compare this to Van Helsing. I'm going to let you go on. All right, all right. We're going to let Nick talk right now. We're getting drunk. We're drunk now. Sorry. You're drunk. So they've got the one conceit of we've got these heroes or whatever folklore characters that everyone knows about and let's like reimagine this as an action movie and it's awful just like van helsing like there's nothing about this i don't feel like there's as much as the actors are doing their best and i feel like actually the best performance is jeremy renner's performance because he's the one person involved that seems to think this movie doesn't matter that much so he's very tongue-in-cheek <laughs> he's about been it. very <laughs> outspoken about how much he loved being part of yeah this he's movie. talking about how he loved the movie yeah <laughs> so it seems clear that I think he was, he was having the, fun. Yeah, exactly. He felt he was like having he's fun. the guy who was having that, the most fun. That actually did sell for me a little bit. But no, I'm sorry. That was my whole point. You guys... I, I, it's weird. I it's don't... One thing, it, one thing that's over, that has point. over Van Helsing is Van Helsing is a CGI shit show, and this movie has a ton of practical that's, that's true. That's, 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 that's one big that's difference. That's the difference. Yeah. And I will say that I feel like maybe that's the thing that sold me on this more. And, and I'm think watching this, and I'm like... I'm not going to go and say it's the raid of uh, <laughs> of, 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 of fairy tale action movies. I mean, but, it's definitely better than Brothers Grimm. That's for oh fun. my yeah, god, sure. yeah, and that's Terry Gilliam. What yeah. the fuck, Gilliam? Well, and I mean, I but, think, like, oh, I I genuinely this time around, and like I said, you can go back and listen to my old spill review of this and go, Chris, what the fuck, hypocrite. Um, things change. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, you changed change. your mind. Oh, I used to be cool. I got <laughs> had fun with it. I was like, I'm sorry, speaking, this is kind of fun. And speaking of those practical effects, brings me to like one of the hottest this movie is this troll. This is a practical troll character Played who's by like Derek Mears. He's a servant of like the evil witches who kind of at, at halfway through kind of switches sides and realizes that. Um, Hansel and Gretel, spoiler alert, are descendants of a witch, and he ser- he can serve them as well and still be within his troll duties, I guess. I don't know. But the the troll is so 
fucking cool looking and practical. He looks great. And he's a genuinely practical animatronic troll. Yeah. Which, once again, a great guy who's played like the Predator. He's played uh, 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 Jason, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Lots of other characters. Like, gets it. It's yeah. like a thing where like he gets the physicality of it. The little bit of CG tweaking isn't too annoying. No, yeah, it's there enough to it, it. The CG is used to enhance a practical effect. Yes, which is important. I yeah. mean, I feel like out of all of the 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 CG that he looks the worst. Though. Oh, really? I thought yeah, he was I, I felt like I thought the troll. Was... It's mostly an animatronic puppet. Mostly. Yeah, it's. I just... It's like ninety percent. So we talked about this a little bit before we started recording this episode. My problem with the troll, I do agree that the effects are amazing. The animatronic face and, and the little CG tweaks, like, not noticeable to me. So that really sold the well. The bulk of this is physical effects. Right. Yeah. But uh, also, it felt to me very overtly like a racist caricature of a black man. You see, you were saying that, and yeah. I didn't... No, and I wouldn't expect like anyone necessarily to like see that Because off he's the a top, slave to the witches. He's a slave, and it's also, like, it's from that time period that that's very similar to the depictions of Africans. That makes sense. You know? Like, so, I feel like whoever developed this was mining it for, like, sort of historical accuracy, but wound up accidentally stumbling into something... That a little, little close, a little yeah, a little too close to you know. No, the, it's what I wanted, That didn't even occur. It, it didn't occur to me either, and I'm not discrediting. But it your makes sense. In, to it, it makes sense in retrospect to me. And the servant aspect of it. I mean, it's definitely a thing, but it's so mirrored down in this fantasy or this fairy oh, yeah. tale aspect. I mean, it's such a goofy movie anyway. Yeah, like, I it's, don't think it's hard to know if that was like the intention or an unintentional effect, I and mean, it could just be your perception, or it could be. Yeah, but it's there's no way to discredit it or accredit it. But like, yeah, it is an interesting take. I'm inclined to think that it was accidental, but that doesn't make it for not sure problematic. Yeah. I mean, if if it, if that's your reaction to it, it is like a valid reaction. Well, you know, I mean, the way I think art and film work. I think it's valid, especially. I mean, this is the first time that I felt like a little bit uncomfortable with the subject matter, just because. It, you have a I lot mean, of troll friends. I do, <laughs> including Chris Cox. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, and this was going to be my final thoughts about our subject matter as a whole, as the witches episodes as a whole. And there's this very profound, like, women are bad when they have power. Yeah, if sure. women have power and they're not virgins, then they are bad people and they are going to hurt you. But if they meet this like virginal sort of ideal, then you can have sex with them and it's okay. <laughs> and that is literally the plot synopsis. I don't remember. I just don't remember. Uh, witchery. She was a no, virgin. No, no, no. I thought you were oh, no, no. no. Are you talking no, about I in just, general? I'm just thinking overall. I can't imagine as opposed... like, even trying to bother to hold witchery to a standard because it's witchery. But, no, I'm just know. talking about the witch movies as a as a, as a genre. Yeah, as a genre. <laughs> like, unless you have... And even, like, Asia Argento in Mother of Tears or, you know... Uh, you know, she. If you have to have like this in order to be held as a respected white witch, quote unquote, you have to have this certain like virginal, you know, countenance. Yeah, and um, that that is present in this Hansel Gretel movie. It's mm-hmm. one of the weak points of the movie. The good witch is very meek and humble and just wants to help Jeremy Renner yep. and cure him and that bathe him me. in water. And yeah. it's just like, oh god, it's one of the, the yeah. drawbacks of the movie. That it's very that. stupid. Yeah. I won't. I won't be. Uh, yeah, I remember watching this, going like, seriously, yeah. why are you? 
just terrible at being a witch. <laughs> the whole job seems to be like, I can't do anything unless it's just like telling a guy, do you need me to jack you off? Yeah. Be, it's the worst there? part of the movie. But it's I mean, bad. that was, that was the whole entire, like, so in, in, for example, Black Sunday, we have the bad witch and the good, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the descendant of the black witch who is also kind of a good witch. And Inferno, we have, you know, this chick that's fighting the black witch but she's okay. Witchery, we have the Black Witch. In the craft, we have, you know, the good versus the bad. No, weirdly, out of all these movies, the craft more the eloquently craft the describes one, yeah. the idea. But By Mother of Tears, bad, we have yeah. the good witch versus yeah. the bad witch as well. And it's, true. it's, it's actually, the Jack genre in general, help. it struggles a lot in, like, with exactly what you're talking about. And I do want to say, I know you weren't a huge fan of the new Suspiria movie, but it it's one thing it does right is it doesn't there's good witch and there's like no good witch, bad witch. It's just like witches and there's politics within the witches, but it doesn't demonize these women for having power. It's yeah. Like, that's one good thing about the new Suspiria. I actually love the new Suspiria a lot, but that's one thing they handle with the witchery in that movie where it's not portrayed from a male point of view. You know, it was directed by a there's guy. There's so many things yeah. I love about the new Suspiria. I just wish I loved everything about the new Suspiria. I did not like I, I know, I know it's like, it's a lot of people feel mixed about it, but one aspect of it is like the portrayal of witches and women yeah. in power. The idea it does of that not nails it. Yeah. I, and really I agree with that, but as a woman, you just like, why does it have to be one or the other? Like, yeah. What do you have to a be little more nuanced. Why do you have to be good? Or, yeah, yeah. Why do you have to be like an you evil? You want to be a gray witch? Maybe. Maybe yeah. I want to be Gandalf the Grey, motherfucker. Yeah, get some gray witches up in here, yeah? <laughs> Gandalf the Grey is not a mix. But he's a wizard. He's kind thing. of a witch, too. I, I, totally, I totally get what you're saying with this genre, though. And well, exactly. I mean, as way. we saw in Hexen, or Hexen, however you pronounce it, uh, the, the <laughs> Depending genre... on whether Bo's here or not. <laughs> right. The whole idea of witchcraft and witchery, it, it depends on who's telling it, but mostly it's been told by the men accusing women of being witches. And so even movies that are mining this for material still tend to either feel like they have to or just automatically fit within that context. Agreed. And I think that we haven't gotten yet the film... That we Even the film that we chose to avoid because we covered it previously on Deliverance and Deem, uh, Doom, the Witch. Deem. Uh, the, the Witch. The, the, the Witch. That one comes pretty close. That one was pretty bad. We still haven't gotten the movie that has nailed yeah. that aspect. Well, and to be fair with horror movies in general, the majority of them deal with good versus evil. Very few of them deal yeah, with a great area. I mean, area. I understand that, but with Not witches, there's a, per, there's a specific misogynistic... Like exactly. point of view that it, that comes with witches, I think in particular that that mm-hmm. demeans the female witch as being I, like a dark. I'm going to suck your soul and take your life away from you, succubus type character. Because of some, and often because of something you did that was a traditionally masculine aspect yep. that was like, and know. only when they're portrayed in an innocent way, they're like this virginal. I'm all dressed in white and look, I'm just a nature goddess, yeah. and that's not always you know. I'm going to bang you in this lagoon. I, I cannot. <laughs> you know I'm a nice witch. Because I'm willing to have sex with you and yeah. not kill you. I, that, I like. I really like the fact that Kraft has a character who is a, like, they never call her a white witch. But it was like, the one, the only one who arguably in that yeah. whole film actually has power. Like, she, like, it just filters off to the other ones who is like... No, I'm also oh. capable of vengeful and shit, I was actually gonna... but only when you deserve and that. That reminds me, yeah. the mentor character in the craft actually says, yeah. like, 
Witchcraft is not good or bad. It's it's, 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 it's just, you know, it's who you are. Yeah. It's the one movie, actually, out of all these movies, who have this type of nuance to it. <laughs> and I was going to say that Craft was probably the most gender-neutral when it came to that out it's of true. all of the movies that we watched, but which is really sad. Hansel and Gretel had the most amount of people being killed by a magical gallon. Yes, that's and, true. And everybody, <laughs> before we wrap up, like, or like... I know we're getting to the end. I want to no, just list fine. some of the insane shit that happens yes. in Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. I can't bring wait. It, bring it. I'm actually, this is. This feels like the new Russ rant. Alan's Hansel and Gretel. We've, he literally made a list. We've mentioned some of these things, but I'm just going to go through them all. Like, there was a Gatlin gun, a, like a <laughs> post-punk, steampunk Gatlin gun that is blessed with holy water and then mow down witches saving Private Ryan style at the end of this movie. There's a Siamese... I love that scene so much. There's a Siamese twin witch who's like walks on her back with her twin above her slicing knives and doing a sword fight. Jeremy Renner kicks off a legless witch a cliff and shoots her with a shotgun as she falls. <laughs> She's always already falling <laughs> off the cliff. Yeah. Jeremy Renner shoots a witch in the head and splatters blood all over these little children's faces. Um, <laughs> Gretel uses a steampunk defibrillator on a troll which, <laughs> which is some knives and stabs them and electrocutes them back to life. So, Why do you even have this? There's a wooden... Why is this something you There's like exists? a tree trunk record player and my favorite is a large pumpkin with a wig is used as a de- decoy as a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> they put a wig on a pumpkin as a boy to, to, to trap a witch. And so, so funny. Also it's, with the tree trunk record player saying, Daddy, oh, I'm yes, yes. Daddy, I'm you. We have a tree trunk record player and a pumpkin with a wig See, on See, Nick, on I don't understand not, how so, you do not love listen, this fucking movie. I'm not going to lie, guys. Here in that list, I'm reevaluating what I think about this movie. <laughs> just, I think I might give it a new so one. So many, it's so much fun, crazy so shit. It's completely <laughs> absurd things This, this movie was fucking amazing. I'm just like... Okay, I went into this all wrong initially. <laughs> I coming back to it, going like with that, like this is going to be terrible, and then going like, oh, it is, but in the best possible yeah, it, way. It knows it's silly. It like knows that's the it's biggest silly. weapon it has. It knows Alan, it's being I silly. think you just converted Nick. Whoa. right now. All right, let's <laughs> wait until I watch it a second yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Once you guys. <laughs> you're doing this prison, I'm, I'm maybe, curious. Maybe you should watch Dead Snow and Dead Snow Two. Oh, I do want to watch yeah, both right. of those. Anyway. What? Really good. And also, yeah. the, the movie was is a pretty big hit in the, internationally. I think it made oh, over like it was a huge success. Forty or two fifty internationally. It was critically, it's at it's fifteen percent at Rotten Tomato and like forty. 15%? of Metacritic. Yeah, that's yeah, bad. And <laughs> it made way over its budget yeah. for money back. I think, it was a huge success. Yeah. I think in the U.S. it tapped out around 55, which is about the budget, but Mexico, Germany, Russia, all these places, huge hits. Yeah. I think over 200 million. Like way over 200 million. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very, still, it's well made They still fun keep talking movie. about a yeah. sequel. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see one, but. You know, I would, I would, I would, I would love, I would, it. I'm yeah. into it. I, I would love I it. I see it much more likely as television series. Of yeah, well the movie, oh, I mean, television. you wouldn't have Jamie Renner and you wouldn't have like, like, you wouldn't have the cast that you, you had. You probably wouldn't have Gemma... Gemma? Gemma? Arjun? Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> Arjun, not Jeremy Renner. But the movie does end on a cliffhanger. So it has, like, the, <laughs> has the troll and Hansel and Gretel and this new, like... 
protege they had going out and killing bitches. I like that choice so much. And it's a great... I will watch that show Yeah, right because now. we have Ben, the little kid that has been stalking them oh, forever, right. and then we have Edward the troll, and they ride off into the sunset I, I want together. the troll to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I watch this movie... I'm, I'm like, pretty sure you have enough trolls oh, in your life, thing, Yeah, he stomps um, Peter Stormare's head into a pulp. I love that. Yeah, so so that was... I just want to say that was one of my favorite things about this movie is it's rated R, and they go all Oh, it's really yeah. like, for troll stomp. It's they. I mean, it's bloody. And for f bombs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's blood and f bombs. Otherwise, I, yeah. it reads to me as a PG thirteen film. But that's all right. I think the thing it's I enjoy boring. most about this film is like that weird, like sort of like uh, uh, steampunk e. Like wild, wild crazy Westy. weapons, Wild yeah. Wild Westy that did not work yeah. with Wild Wild. It's, it's hard to make steampunk not. Dorky and shitty. I mean, they, and this movie does it. The, like direct, the director who made this film had watched really great, crazy Hong Kong action films. Oh, yeah. He was like, the action I want to make a movie like this. Action is and I'm like, you kind of got yeah. the action right. The action's well directed. There's, there's actually some really funny moments. There's the part where someone's cursed and they're about to explode. Like, I remember the hero thing, he's trying to tell them, and he's about to just, like, explode all everyone. And Jeremy Renner's slowly pulling the boy who's, like, admiring them in front of him, because he knows what's about to happen. <laughs> it's like a small comedic beat, beat, and then the guy explodes and blood goes everywhere. All over everyone, except for Jamie Renner, who's covered up by this child. <laughs> like, like, ready for it. Yeah, like, that, like, there's, like, little bits like that throughout the movie that are funny. It's just, it's well-made entertainment like at its baseline it's just entertaining well that is the end of our witch series now let me introduce you guys to the idea of being deliberations of doom fans and suggesting what we do next we have a lot of options on the table i personally am i'm 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 riding for giant monsters that's not oh giant monsters and then nick and i have been throwing around maybe romero yeah, we'd yeah. like to do and, a George Romero episode. And keep in mind, I'm thinking about doing, I want to do some sequels, like one through eight yes. sequels. We'll get that. All right, explain that. Um, so my idea would explain it to me, and I was like, oh, wait, what are you saying? My idea for that is we would do, like, our first movie we did would be either a remake or a reboot of a horror movie. Our second movie would be a part two in a series, like Psycho 2 or Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Our number three would be... Critters three. So we a number four. Oh, would be, I see so what you're go- I see. You pick a different film. A different film in the in a series like going okay, one through eight. Yeah. Um, just to kind of we examine different movies at different stages when they're being made. Um, I think it's a really fun idea. If you I have like it. great ideas for sequels, that's cool. Holler at us on Facebook. Well, okay, so we're so- thinking about maybe. Uh, Making our own picks for like one through four, etc. Yeah. Maybe but like the each of us pick one, and then if we put the other four out to the community, yeah, yeah, and y'all decide. Or if any of you guys feel like you have a really perfect one through eight list from all different franchises, we'd there like to see go. those. That's like true. Maybe Absolutely. Yeah, post those lists. Yeah. Or Rank maybe we'll do a porn parody episode. No, yeah. we're not doing <laughs> no, a porn parody no. episode. I think there's enough porn parodies. Not until we get really super desperate. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> um, but I like it. So let's Think let's put that out there. For our listeners, we have Romero. We have we have a lot of monsters, giant monsters, giant, giant monsters, monsters or sequences. But yeah. there are other choices we've talked about. You can do animal horror, all in well, one day horror. Let's, yeah. let's not ecological horror. Ecological, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've also had a request for Roger Corman. 
Ooh, yeah. Why not? There's enough. He's, if we're opening it up to produce, if we're opening it up to produce, and, and I love you, Dennis Macklewine, oh, okay. so much. I love Dennis so much, but God damn I'm sorry, it, man! I love a lot of Roger. Oh, I do too. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I was so, talking to somebody last night about. By the way, have you never actually watched? Piranha? Because uh, it's good. I, you know what? Good. I absolutely like is, I love is, is Death Race 2000 a horror movie? Yeah. Post I mean, I love Death Race. I, I love the Death Races so much. I love Death Races. Sylvester Stallone. Get Carradine in there. Oh, I was going for the modern ones with oh. Jason Statham. Oh, or even mad. the more <laughs> shitty ones with Luke Goss. I love him. No. We are on different wavelengths on the we Death Race. totally ones. on different wavelengths. You have no idea. We'll we'll call, come back for an all Death Race podcast. <laughs> we will call an end to this uh, I feel like it's season because we do them every once in a month and a half. But, but uh, we're going to be this more consistent. Of Deliberation of the Dim, uh, we will be back soon. We love hearing your comments and su- suggestions, so please keep them coming. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, what's the, what do we say? Keep screaming! Keep screaming! Which is ain't shit without broomsticks. <laughs> <laughs>